Hey babe, did you know that using a great alternative light source doesn't cost a billion dollars or look like a suitcase anymore? Surely that's not true, but if you can give me more information, I'll be inclined to believe you. Well now, you can get a pocket-sized blacklight from Taction USA that works just as well as a large ALS, an alternative light source. It works so well, you'll never go back to any other ALS. It's lightweight and literally fits in your pocket. Made out of aluminum, so it's durable, it will last you a lifetime. You can find the professional blacklight at TactionUSA.com for $29.99. Ships quickly, and your order comes from Taction USA's Amazon store, so it's easy to order. Taction USA is run by law enforcement for law enforcement. You should check it out today and get yours. Get yours right now, today, at TactionUSA.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Crossing the Tape. We have another mini-episode for you today, mm -hmm. and it's all about something you want to learn about, once again. <laughs> so please sign the crime scene log and join us as my co-host, Hillary, brings you the history of... Handcuffs. <sighs> so today, I should have a brief history of handcuffs. Woo! Uh, <laughs> Handcuffs are a helpful and iconic tool that have been used for decades by law enforcement, as we all know. Well, some of you in different capacities. We know because we've worked in the field. I don't know what your experience is. <laughs> Modern-day handcuffs come in several types, including chained, hinged, or cuffs with a rigid, solid bar. Of course, there are a lot more varieties, but these are the most common. So when did handcuffs make their debut? One of the first recorded mentions of handcuffs, or an item like them, was in Virgil's myth of Proteus. Hmm. Um, Proteus? Yes. I How do you say it, right? Think. Think. Well, I'm not Anyhow. a scholar. <clears throat> but you like those, those myths? Well, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like, you know, the Odyssey and all that? <clears throat> well, creatures and things have been shackled in some manner for... True. A billion years. So, that's the first mention recorded, you know, written ever. <laughs> Virgil lived from 70 BC to 19 BC, and in the myth, Proteus could prophesy, prophesy and was captured by his for his talents. So, I guess, you know, that in the myth, I didn't look up the whole myth I should have, but <laughs> I was researching a bunch of different things at once. We're looking at handcuffs and we end up Right. <laughs> I didn't want to. I can get into some really deep rabbit holes, so I thought, no, I better Suddenly not. Suddenly, this turns into the history of <laughs> Greek literature. <laughs> but um, so I guess in the myth, you know, he was captured for his talents, and he thought, you know, everyone thought it was strange, and he was restrained by an object that was described as handcuffs. Hmm. So fast forward to the Bronze and the Iron Ages around. 3,300 BC, when such restraints were used, but they were not adjustable. So this didn't work so for obvious reasons. So if you had tiny reasons. hands, you could just slip out. Exactly. Or if you had big hands, they couldn't get them on. Or Probably, yeah. So they were not adjustable. Like, they had the right idea, but mm. they hadn't developed some kind of way to adjust them. And obviously this didn't work well. So we're going to go way forward to 1862. Oh. when W.V. Adams developed the first set of handcuffs that were actually adjustable. From there, Orson Phelps and John Tower further developed these, and though these were much better than the originals, they still held a problem. And the problem was that the suspect could easily pick the lock. 
So now they're adjustable, Mm -hmm. but you can still Houdini your way out. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so you're rubbing off on me. Mm -hmm. In 1879, this was overcome by the development of the first double-locking handcuff, handcuff design. Yes. And then in 1912, George Carney designed handcuffs that are similar to what we know today. And as we know, these have varied and increased in design since then. You mentioned the different types. The swivel mm-hmm. is, of course, going to be your standard. You slap them on, probably behind the person's back Mm -hmm. and they won't be able to bring their arms around front but they still have some flexibility in their wrists right it's a little more comfortable for the wearer Uh, the hinge type is instead of just three little links of swiveling chain in between it's two like well it's a hinge right but it's more solid it doesn't allow for any there's no swivel movement there's no right there's no kind of side to side rotation the wrists are going to be perpendicular and or rather parallel and just locked in place there they won't be able to move their wrists front you know forward back right um if what i heard is true which an old school cop family member of mine told me this when he gave me my first pair of hinge cuffs, which was his old set. Uh, The hinge design actually came in the 70s, 80s, um, at the start of the PCP Mm -hmm. epidemic, because people would just get so nuts on PCP, they wouldn't feel any pain and they'd have super strength. They'd be able to actually snap the chain on standard swivel Mm -hmm. handcuffs. So, peerless... uh, Again, this is what my uncle told me. (laughs) Um, Peerless developed the hinge design, which is a lot stronger and allowed for a whole lot less flexibility. So that even if they were ripped out of their mind on crank, they wouldn't be able to twist enough to snap the cuffs and continue fighting. Um, And then, of course, the the rigid style where there's mm-hmm. there's no chain no hinge no nothing it's the whole it's one solid piece it's two cuffs right. but it's one solid piece of metal which is probably the most uncomfortable but right depending on the application how combative the person is if you're moving Hannibal Lecter from one cell to another you probably want him in right. rigid cuffs <laughs> true and Oh, the double lock. Oh, okay. Uh, Of course, keeps people from picking lock, Mm -hmm. but it also prevents the cuffs from tightening down further on them. Yeah. Um, I'm sure many a rookie cop in their day have gone to place someone in the back of their car with the cuffs properly adjusted for tightness and everything, and you go to set them back there, and as they're sliding across the seat, you're... Yeah. And they've tightened up to where the person's hands are turning blue and you yeah. got to get them out and fix them real quick before you end up losing your job. Right. Um, so if you always remember to double lock them once you've got them at the right tightness, you and can avoid that. Them, yeah, yeah. It keeps them from opening, keeps them from closing, can't be picked. Mm-hmm. And you have to disengage that double lock before you can unlock them. So okay. it's a lot safer for 
the cop and for the yeah the wearer of the cuffs. Right. Makes sense. I think that's all I've got. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have tons and tons of information because I could have, but then I'd be down a rabbit hole. Uh, then we'd and be in the be, Greek myth. Yes, of... you'd be getting a literary lesson and maybe I don't know, maybe that should be another podcast, who knows. And of course there's ankle cuffs that use the same design, just a much longer piece right. of chain in the middle so that the person can't run, but they can still, you know, be walked you know, through mm. the courthouse or whatever you got to do with them. Right. <clears throat> but exact same design, just larger. Yeah. And handcuffs can also be used. Uh, you can slide them over both sets. You can slide them over like a pneumatic door opener, like the ones outside, like you know, office buildings, classrooms that have the like folding arm mm-hmm. kind of thing that comes to a triangle. If you slide your cuffs over that, it'll keep the door from opening. Oh. So you can actually lock a door behind you like yeah. that. If you're clearing a building and you're worried someone's going to come in after you, you can secure it from the inside that way. A handy tool. True. Or, you know, if you're worried your shift partners are going to mess with you when you go to the bathroom. Yeah. You can do that that. too. (laughs) That's how I learned it, but it's got a lot more uses. (laughs) But that's all we've got for handcuffs today in this mini episode. We hope you enjoyed, learned a whole lot, or at least a little bit, and laughed. Hmm. Please sign the crime scene log on the way out. Again, I'm Brendan. And I'm Hillary. So long. Stay safe. Wait, don't leave yet. We have one more thing. If you are looking for a career change or to expand your knowledge in an already established one, look no further than the National Investigative Training Academy. The National Investigative Training Academy, or NIDA, N-I-T-A, has well over 100 courses with 70 professional development ones alone. NIDA is constantly adding to their course catalog, and courses are focused on private investigation and security fields. Whether you would like to become a private investigator or you need continuing education for your investigative or security career, the National Investigative Training Academy is for you. All courses offered are 100% online and do at your own pace. Once completed, you will receive a certificate in that course. Sign up today at investigativeacademy.com. Make sure when you sign up for your courses, you mention we sent you there. We encourage you to get the best investigative and security training possible today. When you sign up, mention our brand ambassador code, BA2367. That's BA2367. And you can find those courses at investigativeacademy.com. Look for links in our show notes as well.